Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Back in 1440, uh, a man named Nicholas Cusanus, a theologian of his day, uh, wrote a treatise called On Learned Ignorance. Basically, that was about uh, how vast the universe was and how impossible it was it would be to understand the entire workings of the universe and only an omniscient being uh, such as God could understand the whole thing uh, fast forward a few hundred years and we have another individual a little bit I would suggest less enlightened uh, less of a theological or a a uh, less of a theologian than uh, Nicholas Cusanus uh, that person's name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and um, of course she uh, was in the news recently for uh, talking about a statue of Father Damien, um, referring to that statue and Father Damien as an example of a colonizer. Uh, she says on our Instagram post, now this is what patriarchy and white supremacy culture looks like, referring to Father Damien or Saint Damien in the Catholic Church. Uh, for you, those of you who are unaware of who Father Damien is, uh, or Saint Damien, um, just going to bring you up to speed a little bit. Uh, this is from a, a biography of him, done uh, available at Catholic.org. Um, has a biography of, I guess, all or most of the saints. Uh, this one uh, talks uh, about uh, where uh, Father Damien was born in Belgium in the 19th century. He went to Hawaii, uh, became a priest in the Catholic faith, and he served alongside of uh, a leper colony that had just been installed on the island. And uh, so I'm going to read uh, a little bit from his biography on Catholic.org about him. Uh, Brother Damien arrived in Hawaii in March 1864 and was ordained as a priest on the island of Hawaii two months later. For nine years, he worked on the island as a priest leading an important yet undistinguished life. In 1866, Hawaii established a leper colony on the probably going to get this wrong Kalawapa Peninsula. It was still mistakenly believed that leprosy was highly contagious. This belief resulted in forced quarantine of leprosy patients. 
these people still needed spiritual and medical care. So to Father Damien discerned his call to serve them. In 1873, Father Damien made the trip to be with these people in their colony. Upon arrival, he found the colony was poorly maintained. Anarchy reigned among the people living there. Many patients required treatment but had nobody to care for them. Other patients took to drinking and became severe alcoholics. Every kind of immorality and misbehavior was on display in this lawless colony. There was no law and order. Father Damien realized that the people needed leadership, so he provided it. He asked people to come together to build houses and schools and eventually the parish of St. Philomena. The church still stands today. The sick were cared for and the dead buried. Order and routine made the colony livable. Father Damien personally provided much of the care the people needed. He was supposed to only work in the colony for a time. Then he would be replaced by one of three other volunteers for the work. But the leper colony was to become his permanent home. After working with the people for a time, Father Damien grew attached to the people and his work. He asked permission to stay at the colony to serve. His request was granted. Leprosy is not as contagious as mo most people of the period assumed. However, 5% of the human population is susceptible. The disease can also take several years to show symptoms. Father Damien became one of those people. He contracted leprosy in 1885 after several, several years of work. He realized he had the disease when he placed his foot into scalding water by accident but felt no pain. This was a common way by which people discovered they were infected. Leprosy attacks nerve endings and a victim may hurt themselves but not feel any pain. Father Damien continued his work despite his illness which slowly took over his body. He derived strength from prayer and devotion. He often went to the cemetery to pray rosary or spent time in the presence of the Eucharist. It is at the foot of the altar that we find strength we find the strength we need in our isolation, he wrote. By all accounts, Father Damien was courageous, headstrong and resilient. His personal toughness served to inspire others. He was also reportedly very happy a common phenomenon for those who pray and work hard to serve others and the Lord. After 16 years in the colony, Father Damien succumbed to leprosy on April 15, 1889. He was first buried nearby, then his remains were transferred to Belgium in 1936. His right hand was returned to Hawaii in 
1995 to be reburied in his original grave at Molokai. And so that is the uh, story of Father Damien. Um, I would say to summarize, he gave his life literally for his fellow men. Uh, the people he served were um, basically wretched, uh, at least in the physical sense. Uh, they were would have been like the lowest of the low. Uh, of course, in the thousands of years since Jesus' time, you know, not much had changed in our knowledge of leprosy, at least by then. And he served those people uh, faithfully and courageously uh, until the day he died. And he is revered uh, not just by the Catholic Church as a saint, but uh, by the people of Hawaii. Uh, he was actually um, given uh, a, a uh, not a commendation, but uh, basically the the last queen of Hawaii uh, basically uh, wrote a commendation for him. Uh, I believe it was posthumously um, crediting um, him uh, for for his service to uh, her fellow Hawaiians. And so it's easy to see now um, when we talk of uh, on learned ignorance um, on the part of people like AOC that uh, this is not the kind of stumbling forward ignorance that is suggested um, by uh, Nicholas of Cusa, Nicholas Cusenis, uh, in his uh, great literary work um, on learned ignorance. Her kind of learned ignorance, uh, I would say, it takes humanity in the opposite direction. It's not stumbling forward, it's more like stumbling backwards in darkness. Um, but that just goes to show, that's I think really representative of the greater philosophy on the left. Uh, particularly the leftists in America today, the ones that are destroying the statues, um, the ones that are desecrating churches, uh, and things of that nature. And, and of course, when they uh, tear down a statue of someone like, um, like, you know, U.S. Grant, who not only defeated the, uh, not only defeated the Confederacy in the Civil War, he also defeated the Ku Klux Klan after the Civil War. But nonetheless, uh, one of his statues was toppled. And of course, uh, statues, uh, several, at least one statue of St. Junipero Serra of California, a missionary in California, was toppled. Um, and again, this is something of learned ignorance 
And of course, when I speak of learned ignorance on their part, um, that is literally what I mean. They, they have learned a wrong history, uh, and they've learned uh, to take the wrong lessons from history and from philosophy, and they've basically, uh, through, through the public school, um, but mainly through the university system, They've gotten an education uh, that that has, is very anti-American in value, and is very backwards, and it creates ignorant people, unfortunately. And of course, that is typified with what AOC uh, said in her statement uh, about the. Uh, patriarchy again you know he uh, she referred to him as a colonizer uh, father Damien um, and saying that you know this is what patriarchy and white supremacy culture looks like well I would say to AOC that if father Damien represents the patriarchy and white supremacy then sign me up I believe that this country could use more uh, of that. <laughs> I mean, if, if white supremacy means, is, is exemplified by Father Damien, then I think that's something that we need more of. And I would be happy to, uh, if that's what she means by white supremacy, then, you know, I could, we should all aspire to be white supremacists. And of course, um, likely this this whole uh, narrative I'm giving to you will be taken out of context, but that's okay. Um, just we have the entire podcast, and you can review my words and see for yourself what was meant by them. But. Um, more on the learned ignorance of the negative kind, the kind that we see today uh, that can also be exemplified by this antipathy uh, to hydroxychloroquine uh, particularly when the group of doctors recently um, did their presentation at the foot of the Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C. Those doctors had direct experience, uh, I believe all of them, if I'm not mistaken, with people with COVID-19. They've worked with people with COVID-19 and used hydroxychloroquine on them. Uh, According to their claims, it it did uh, work and you know it it's there's so many studies that will back the uh, efficacy of hydroxychloroquine Um, but I'm not here to uh, advocate for any particular drug Uh, I would suggest you do your own research on that but I just want to use that example of another uh, another example of learned ignorance where 
not so much what was said, whether or not it was correct or not, whether or not the doctors um, were telling the truth. Uh, my own opinion on that is uh, you have a group of doctors, large group of doctors, uh, lots of MDs and some PhDs between them, um, some very learned people. Uh, you would think that their opinions on the matter would be worth taking a look at. And again, um, you know, in their presentation, they have they presented facts and uh, and cited studies where hydroxychloroquine was used effectively. Well, of course, the um, the jury is still out on whether. Uh, hydroxychloroquine still works but that's just it um, I think we should have both sides uh, be heard but rather than that that their broadcaster their presentation was taken down uh, it was taken down off of Facebook Twitter and uh, I believe Instagram too all of the social media networks that it was presented on, it was taken down, but not after millions of people had seen it. And really, um, you know, why would you, why are these people on Twitter afraid of people, uh, particularly doctors, telling their stories uh, about hydroxychloroquine or any drug? You know, it wouldn't matter what the drug was, really. Why would why would they choose to keep people ignorant um, of the effects and some of the studies that show what this drug does? Because they're obviously prepared to show studies to show what it can't do. I mean, if there's a study out there that, that says hydroxychloroquine doesn't work or, or doesn't uh, cure COVID-19 or isn't um, safe or whatever... I'm pretty sure that that presentation would go through. Uh, it wouldn't matter if there were other studies and other doctors that would that could give counter uh, information that could counter those claims. Um, the social media companies, the big tech, has clearly uh, chosen a side on this issue. And for some almost unknown reason, um, I don't know whether it's just orange man bad, you know, it's just a contrarian, you know, uh, Trump was for hydroxychloroquine or at least open to having it and there was just a contrarian reaction as often is the case. And so if he says it's, it's good, then it must be bad and... And that's all people, some people, need to know. Um, again, um, talking about uh, learned ignorance here. Or, or in this case, enforced ignorance on, uh, by the part of some so social media uh, giants out there. And not only were those doctors... Um, social media presentation is taken down of course after millions of people had seen them uh, the website 
the, the one female doctor, uh, I forget her name, uh, her website was taken down. Uh, she had to put it back up. Um, that doesn't seem to make sense either. I think that's a little bit heavy-handed. Why are you going to take down a website? Um, you know, you can, and of course other people have uh, pointed out that, you know, you can, you can have the Iranian uh, leaders there uh, talk about death to Israel. You can have other people uh, talk about uh, different forms of hate speech, you know, uh, anti-Semitic hate speech and, uh, and other things, but you can't have a group of doctors with a bunch of letters behind their names uh, give their impression about a drug. That seems just wrong to me. And it's really, it's really twisted that we're in a society now that really doesn't seem, at least almost half of it, doesn't seem to value the truth. Um, or even opinions that can be backed up with facts. Uh, there's just these, this contrarian notion that uh, whatever Trump says is bad or whatever his Trump supporters uh, tend to like must be bad or Republicans. Uh, a lot of it is just really um, mindless um, contrarian opposition um, and it really it's, it's a shame because we have all of these public forums and uh, certainly one can study the effects of hydroxychloroquine or, or any other medication that they choose to there's all sorts of information out there on the subject and you know there's almost anything at all that you can you know you want to look up I mean that's the way it should be that the social media is the new town square it's where everybody ought to have their say and uh, it really is a shame that it's turned into really an ideological not even battleground it's just like a an ideological wasteland in, in the case of some some places where the the truth and facts are just ignored uh, because they happen to be contrary to what was um, what the doctrine is, uh, you know, the, the accepted doctrine on the left. And of course we know that the mainstream media is also a willing accomplice in all of this uh, misinformation, disinformation, uh, uh, promotion of ignorance. Um, they they give their own uh, narrative, then uh, give only the facts or stories that their narrative. Uh, and how many times have we seen this done uh, with with Russia? You know, uh, the Russian collusion hoax, um, where they claim that they had 
uh, information that that uh, Trump was being uh, influenced by Putin, and Russia had tried to win the election for uh, for Trump. And of course, uh, you know, under further analysis, all of that stuff was disproven. Um, there was no collusion. Uh, the Mueller report uh, couldn't find any after what was it three years of attempting to find some sort of collusion between Trump and the Trump campaign and the Russians. They couldn't find any, um, but nonetheless the mainstream media uh, kept people ignorant of the facts uh, now more and more facts are coming out uh, thanks to various investigations these are facts that never would have came to light had Hillary won uh, these would have been buried uh, and it would have been a real problem for uh, well, it wouldn't wouldn't have been a problem for Hillary. The, you know, the, these facts wouldn't have came to light. We would never know half of the things that, uh, for instance, James Co James Comey did. Uh, we would not know the extent uh, that to which the you know steel dossier was used to gain a uh, FISA warrant to spy on the Trump campaign uh, we would not know um, to the, the extent that uh, this was all uh, pretty much a cabal we would not know the extent uh, to which Obama himself played into uh, played uh, when it comes to the Russia collusion hoax scandal and again there was uh, the Ukraine scandal uh, the impeachment um, where a certain fa uh, certain facts were cherry-picked um, some of them just basically made up again um, the intent there the clear intent there uh, on the part of Schiff and his friends was to uh, just create this totally false narrative uh, about uh, what actually happened um, on that uh, phone call with the uh, Ukrainian Prime Minister. Uh, and again, this was them assuming that the information, the pertinent information would never come out. Uh, they assume that uh, the Trump administration would never release the contents of the call uh, and therefore we would have only their narrative and their explanation of what happened to go by and of course uh, Trump I think made a good uh, strategic move to release the the uh, unclassified version of that call and indeed, it, it and we you can read for yourself um, that there's nothing wrong. There's no quid pro quo, um, as was accused in the call. And of course, most of you had um, have heard of this story before. It's it was um, told 
ad infinitum, uh, both on social media and on networks. Um, particularly if you were watching uh, Fox or uh, OAN or any other um, more or less honest news network at the time, you received the whole story. Uh, when on the other side of the aisle, the other networks that are associated with the left that uh, tend to promote left-wing causes, not only were, were you not informed of the information uh, on a great many things, including uh, Ukraine um, and in, including uh, the Russia hoax, you were not told a lot of um, information that would have been exculpatory towards the president and some of his friends. Because uh, I did a podcast, one of the first first podcasts I did uh, was about a general was about General Flynn being released, and finally, um, you know the the uh, Department of Justice has gone around to basically dropping the charges, but. Uh, even with that, we were finding out just the extent, again, um, that people like uh, James Comey were, were you know, using disinformation, um, using, uh, promoting a false narrative, um, basically uh, making insinuations that were not uh, backed up by the evidence. Uh, you can you can hear a lot of that, um, and again I went over that uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it's an episode called Flynn Free, or that's part of the name of the episode. So if you want, look that up back in the catalog. Um, just know that again with uh, General Flynn, we were we were told um, bad information, and you can. Just really, um, the point I'm trying to make here is that if you listen to uh, one network, you are given uh, a lot of the facts on the Flynn case and on the Ukraine case and on Russia Spygate case, uh, Obamagate. Uh, you were given certain facts that really gave a more complete picture of what was going on. And if you uh, got your information from other sources, from other networks that choose to drive a anti-Trump left-wing narrative that uh, you're getting not just uh, being kept ignorant of the evidence that was uh, that could exonerate uh, General Flynn or Trump or whoever it is that may be the case uh, you were actively given disinformation. And of course, uh, the same with the hydroxychloroquine story. You're not probably being given the the entire story, uh, particularly when it doesn't fit in with their narrative. Um, the narrative on the left, on the left-leaning leaning media, is that hydroxychloroquine is not only not only does not help with COVID-19, it's dangerous, and of course there are plenty of people 
professional people, doctors, epidemiologists, uh, people who have treated uh, COVID-19 that would tell a different story. And they, uh, these uh, left-leaning news sources actively uh, keep their viewers and their readers and their listeners from hearing a more round, well-rounded or complete version of the facts. And they're only presenting you with one side, uh, the negative side. And of course it's, it's funny to see them. I forget what network may have been NBC, but I'm not sure where they had a bunch of pediatricians on uh, talking about whether it was not as okay to open up the schools um, you know uh, during the fall after COVID-19 and I believe not mistaken they had five experts I could be wrong could be four but anyway like some like four or five experts pediatricians uh, to a man and woman uh, said that they would indeed send their kids to school in the fall and the news reporter or the pundit that they were talking to on the mainstream media network was just dumbfounded <laughs> because because they, they start to believe their own lies and when someone who doesn't have a political agenda like a doctor or something like that comes along and says something that's completely contrary to the narrative that they're trying to push at the time then they they don't realize they forget that they've been lying and deceiving and they're dumbfounded when actual facts are given to counter their argument um it's kind of funny to watch at times um so yeah you should maybe try and pull that clip of the uh, pediatricians and the uh, host's reaction when um, they told him that yes indeed uh, they would send their own kids to school in the fall which by the way uh, we talked about this before also but again uh, tying it into the idea of learned ignorance um, you probably are not aware uh, unless you heard it from me um, in a recent podcast or from other sources uh, from more centrist or right-leaning media you know you probably never heard that there were 20 countries uh, most of them in Europe that are opening uh, their schools in the fall some of them have never uh, closed their schools now, of course, Sweden would be one of them. They did not make any major changes, uh, as most of you well know, when COVID-19 came along. They didn't make any really drastic changes. And speaking of which, um, again, of learned ignorance, because um, I've heard a lot of, particularly recently, of detractors for the Swedish model um, the Swedish model, very briefly, again, is to have minimal economic disruption in the face of COVID-19. And so what basically they did is they adopted 
uh, voluntary wearing of masks, social distancing, um, doing a lot of the social distancing uh, things that we're doing here, you know, six feet apart. I believe they downgrade that. Um, now you can have uh, people three feet apart. Um, but they didn't do the lockdowns like a lot of other countries, including the United States and in the West. They didn't do the lockdowns that we did. And I was just uh, looking at a graph of the deaths, and it's interesting to see um, when you compare the United States to Sweden um, that, you know, they are on the decline. Well, when you look at the actual numbers of deaths per day, um, now, of course, they have a smaller population, but it's kind of irrelevant as long as, you know, the, the line is trending down or up or staying even. Um, but the line is trending down when you look at Sweden. And so I just brought up on the computer um, a graph of the uh, Death, deaths, uh, daily change in deaths in Sweden um, f from starts in early March. Um, it peaks around uh, April, well, some sometime between April 8th and April 17th, they have a, a spike in deaths. But after that, um, it's basically a downward slope. Um, that's pretty kind of a ragged sawtooth downward slope, but it's definitely trending downward. There's no doubt. All you have to do is, um, Google, uh, COVID-19 deaths in Sweden, and you can see the graphs. Uh, and the one for your information, it is as of... I think the latest date on here was July 31st, so it's pretty recent. Uh, you can see for yourself that they're declining in deaths. I don't think this is one, this is a graph that you're probably going to see uh, from CNN or uh, MSNBC. And I'm just looking at through the search results, uh, looking up uh, right now, kind of in real time. Uh, one headline, UVA Health says, lack of lockdown increased COVID-19 deaths in Sweden, UVA Health Newsroom. Another one, Stat News, we're the XNL Sweden, raising fears of COVID-19 will get worse. Um, just the lead from that. Let's see, what what are they saying at Stat News? And at first it seemed to work with a death count nowhere near what it was in countries such as Italy, Spain, and the UK. But even as Sweden was being hailed as a model, its cases were steadily, um, I'm going to guess, uh, increasing. I'm going to guess what that says I don't. No, because I'm not gonna open up. I'm not gonna bother open up the entire 
Well, let's see another headline mid mid page today. Uh, how did Sweden flatten its curve without a lockdown? Interesting. So, how did uh, here's here's uh, Newsweek. Sweden, which never had lockdown, sees COVID-19 cases plummet as the rest of Europe suffers spike. Uh, Bloomberg, uh, presumably they would not be prone to uh, right-wing um, right-wing information. Uh, they're saying Sweden unveils promising COVID-19 data as cases plunge. So, again, it's interesting um but the top the top uh google search uh from july 13th or i'm sorry from july 3rd was the uva health one lack of lockdown increased covid-19 deaths in sweden um but my guess is that they must be referring to again without having read the article um, an increase in deaths in, I don't know, the April time frame, in the month of April, because they're, they're obviously, I mean, it's, it's very simple, very direct, um, anybody can look at it and conclude that in Sweden the deaths rate, the deaths are going down, and the thing about what's great about that is that that's it. Once those once those deaths go down to Sweden to near zero, um, I mean we don't know um, what's going to happen as far as a treatments or um, um, uh, a treatments or uh, immunizations against COVID nineteen. We don't know how that's going to affect things. But once they've um, get their numbers down, uh, there's very little suggest that they're going to come back up. And I can't imagine anything that would happen. Um, maybe they could give up on their uh, voluntary social distancing. Maybe they could declare victory too soon and stop uh, social distancing stop wearing masks or um, you know uh, you know because the again again with the uh, idea of learned ignorance you probably been told you may have been told or led to believe that Sweden did nothing and of course that's not true actually um, most of the states in the United States right now um, after coming down off the of lockdowns and opening up their economies are basically at the point where Sweden always was as far as personal freedoms. And it's funny, six months after the lockdown started, uh, we still have pretty significant uh, infringements on our civil liberties. Uh, of course, it varies from state to state. In uh, California, for instance, they have rules where people cannot sing in church um, but you can protest um, in church and that's fine but you cannot um, you can't sing in church which of course 
Uh, singing in church is a very integral part of worship. Um, it's, it varies from degree to degree between the different denominations and the different uh, Christian faiths, but in almost every denomination, in almost every Christian sect, uh, singing is a very important part. Um, I know in the Eastern Orthodox Christianity, um, their, uh, their, their singing, um, chanting, which is kind of, I guess, the same thing in Eastern Orthodox tradition, that is an integral part. That is how they worship um, in, in their Eastern Orthodox Mass. And of course, you know, that varies from, uh, like, like I said, in the Eastern Orthodox Church to the Catholic Church where their, their singing uh, takes place during Mass and, and I'm sure there's denominations where there's very little singing and that probably varies from church to church. But that is uh, being challenged in court, thankfully, and I believe that the um, the right side on this argument will prevail. Uh, they have some very good lawyers from the ACLG, L ACLJ, the American Center for Law and Justice, on the case uh, throughout the country, but particularly. Uh, working in California, I believe that they're going to win this case. Uh, it may be a little late in the game. Um, they may say, well, we were going to take off the uh, restrictions on soon anyhow, since the, the mortality rates went down or, or the hospitalization rates went down. But that begs the question, well, you were, you had those uh, draconian um, limitations on freedom and this is not uh, we're not talking about your freedom to just go, go grocery sh shopping or your freedom to see a concert or something like that or go to a movie which obviously you don't have either in, in virtually every state in the country at this point it's one of the few things that you actually have a constitutional right to, and that's your right to worship uh, as you see fit. The, I think the uh, state governors in these states, they are playing a very dangerous game uh, when it comes to the Constitution. Now they are putting themselves in a position where they're saying, they're dictating what forms of worship are allowed and which forms aren't and you know they're they're trying to argue that some forms of worship I guess are not uh, constitutionally protected and of course um, they are and I think they're going to lose and they're going to lose big but it's going to take time and it's going to unfortunately you know people will be disenfranchised deprived of their rights uh, in the meantime with many of these cases but I believe they will prevail uh, ultimately and you know if you can uh, go to a protest and and chant 
things like Death to America or Cops Are Pigs or whatever you're going to chant uh, in a protest and you're going to tell me that you cannot uh, go into a church where people are already socially distanced and sing and you know what, what's the point you know the 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 First Amendment covers the freedom of religion, freedom of press, freedom of expression, uh, freedom of association. And all of those freedoms are should be considered equal. Um, it's ridiculous to, to think that the framers of the Constitution, people who wrote that particular amendment, uh, meant to favor one freedom, like you could have the freedom of expression or assembly but not the the freedom of religion or freedom of speech or it's it's just ridiculous on its face to think that the framers had any other intent than to uh, keep those freedoms equally uh, among all of the the citizens of the United States and 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 here we have governors that are trying to cherry pick which parts of the First Amendment you're allowed to pursue. Uh, you're allowed to protest, but you're not allowed to uh, worship in church. Um, you know, you, you in some cases you cannot even sing in church, and they're being the, they're trying to be the arbiters of what constitutes uh, proper expression of faith and of course it's kind of scary that anybody in our in our government even thinks that they have the right to do such things and I'm glad that uh, people are are doing uh, see some people doing a little bit of social or uh, disobedience um, civil disobedience I, I heard one group gathering on the beach uh, doing, I guess, uh, religious services on the beach, which included, of course, singing in California. Because apparently you can go to beach, uh, you can protest, but you cannot go to a church and and pray. Or, or if you're going to pray, I guess you cannot sing. Because they've deemed that too, too much of a, uh, a danger to, you know, spreading COVID-19. But uh, we don't have the our First Amendment rights. They're not subject to whether or not there's a, a disease going around. Um, so hopefully we can get these adjudicated. Uh, particularly if, God forbid, there's another uh, another disease that comes along, maybe in a couple of years. Hopefully we we will have uh, a string of victories. For our personal freedoms, that that we can, they'll the governors, whoever they are at the time, if, if there's another pandemic, um, there'll be some lines that they just cannot cross. And the more of those lines we build, the more lines that uh, they cannot cross, the more victories we have for the First Amendment and uh, even the Second Amendment. Um, the harder it will. Be for them to just capriciously take them away. So um, I suggest you again just a um, 
uh, free advertisement for the AECLJ. Um, I would hope that you go to the ACL.org and check out what they're doing for uh, not just First Amendment rights, but for all uh, rights for, for a great number of people. Um, that's something that, that's one organization which I um, encourage you to support. Um, at least, uh, you know, give, if not financial support, then uh, use them as a tool to learn what's happening in the courts. I think there's a lot of good information being put out by uh, particularly uh, Jay Seculo and Jordan Seculo, uh, who are the founders of the organization. And uh, of course, you may recognize the name Jay Seculo as being one of Trump's lawyers uh, who did, who did uh, defend President Trump during the impeachment. Uh, it is that same person. So definitely they're doing a lot of good, uh, not just in the, uh, for the benefit of the president, but for all of us. So, you know, check them out. This is a, that's a uh, free plug, if you will, for the ACLJ and the good work they do. Okay, uh, we covered a lot here. Uh, I guess to summarize, um, you know, there is a good kind of learned ignorance, I guess, that you could speak of uh, that was talked about by uh, Nicholas of Cusa um, back in the 15th century uh, when, he, when he wrote his treatise on unlearned ignorance um, about how the vastness of the universe is unknowable um, in its totalitarian or or in total um, and only God can see the whole picture um, of what's happening and the idea is that we kind of despite the fact that we don't know everything about the universe we can still stumble forward and work with what we know and use the information that we have available to us to make better and better decisions and have a better and better understanding of the wor world around us. Uh, but that is not the learned ignorance that we are facing today, um, particularly on the left and as typified by people like AOC making really uh, ignorant and I would say offensive comments about uh, St. Damien. I, I don't think that they were well considered and makes you wonder um, just how, how much uh, she and the people who, uh, whom she represents uh, value religion. And of course uh, you see that uh, again um, with Governor Newsom making the rule against uh, singing in church, which is an in part, as I mentioned, uh, particularly in the Eastern Orthodox and Greek Orthodox traditions of Christianity. Uh, it's a big part of how they worship. And it, it makes you question, you know, just how much to, does the left value religion sometimes I think and I and I would really um, 
us that they don't value religion too much. I think many on the left uh, see our um, our belief in God. Um, if you're a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim, uh, you might as well just believe in like the uh, Greek Olympian gods, or or you know, <laughs> or the um, Asgardian guards of Thor and Odin. Odin, uh, you may as well be um, uh, worshiping uh, the the gods of Zeus and and Thor and Odin and and Hestia and all of them. For <laughs> you know, if you're you know Jesus Christ in their eyes and Moses and all of the prophets are no different. Uh, in their minds from uh, worshipping or venerating uh, Zeus or Odin or Hestia or or anything or any of the Greek myths or what have you <laughs> it's just you know, to them, I think to a lot of them unfortunately they see no value in religion but uh, that's a big topic uh, we just scratched the surface of that, and I think, unfortunately, that this learned ignorance is deliberate. Uh, it's been building up for uh, decades in our uh, college system, in our university system, and in academia, um, because it's a Marxist system, as we're finding out uh, pretty unequivocally. Um, just to sum up real quick, uh, Marx is against religion. You know, it's like the opiate of the masses. He wants to replace the organized religion of Judaism, Christianity, Islam with the state. And that the state is the only uh, body worth uh, venerating on to uh, religious levels. So, again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, check us out on Facebook and also on Parlor. Uh, look for JP Mac on Parlor, and hopefully you will. Um, I think I'm getting more and more uh, moving away from uh, Facebook and more and more into Parlor. So, and of course I never was on Twitter, so don't even bother looking at me for me on Twitter um, because that was always. By the time it became popular, it was already you know gone to the dark side, and as you can see with what happened with Twitter and those doctors um, talking about hydroxychloroquine, that they don't value the truth or differing opinions, that they want to be arbiters of what you see, and they enforce, uh, in fact, the learned ignorance. So, again, thank you. Um, listen to us ne next week, and I hope to see you again. And until then, uh, stay healthy and happy. Thank you. Bye.